This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It is Kenny and Heilprin back live on the air on this beautiful Thursday evening. Zach, hello. Hello. It's good to be back live. Uh, the Brewers game almost butted up against us. It did as they tried as hard as they could. My goodness, that took forever. Yeah, that was a close one. But I, I'm in a tremendous mood this week, Zach. So I was moving last weekend, moving apartments, and there's a lot of anxiety that comes with not being settled somewhere. The time in between your packing old apartment to completely settle the new apartment for me at least is a tough time. And I'm obviously moving a lot more frequently than, you know, you are at this point, given my youth and all that. But I, so I was in the middle of moving. I was in a pretty horrible mood. It was Saturday morning and I go to my email and there's a press release from the varsity collective. And it is announced that finally we had talked about this so much about what Wisconsin, what would need to happen for Wisconsin to compete and move forward in a positive direction in the next years in this current college football landscape. That finally happened on Saturday. The Varsity Collective was announced. It was it was established that it is a way for donors, fans, families, everybody to donate, pretty much help Wisconsin recruit, help them win on the field, help give Wisconsin athletes another way to earn NIL money. It comes on the heels of obviously numerous coaches speaking, the whole Saban Fisher feud, and Ryan Day at Ohio State saying they pretty much need 13 mil to keep their roster together. So I, in all, I think a wildly positive piece of news at this point in the offseason and at this point in the NIL world for Wisconsin. What was your first reaction? Well, we knew it was coming, right? Like Chris McIntosh, when he talked with the Wisconsin State Journal earlier this year, he said, you know, I, there probably is something coming down the line, and it turns out that there was. And it's clear that while this is not officially, officially with uh, anything with Wisconsin, because these are all third-party uh, organizations, right? Which, that makes it hard for, for me to frame. I can't come out and say Wisconsin, Wisconsin has a collective because yeah. they don't. It's a separate entity, but there is a Wisconsin collective. Wisconsin Donors have set up a collective, right? A yeah. Wisconsin quote unquote affiliated, but not actually saying they're affiliated. Not affi- uh, yes. However, however, the one big, the, there were two big names in that press release. Brooks Bollinger, obviously the former quarterback uh, for, for Wisconsin. And the other one, Ted Kellner, who has his name on a building at Camp Randall stadium. It's where Chris McIntosh's office is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, if he's involved in it, you know, that uh, Wisconsin, I, not that they, again, are, together but have are, are okay with this are okay with the way that this is set up are okay with the way that it is going to be put to uh, put to use and um you know it's it's not going to be a situation where you're they're going to be handing out you know million dollar things to k- get kids to come to wisconsin i think it's going to be another situation where guys that are already here um are going to have an opportunity to make some money off of their name image and likeness and i also think it's, it gives an opportunity for fans to directly give money to something that will benefit, they hope, they hope, benefit their athletic program and, and potentially the product on the field. So, again, it was good. I don't. I, I know that you said during the week that you thought it was too late. Uh, it, it came later than it should have. I said might have been a couple months late. Yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know if it would have mattered a huge, a lot, uh, you know, amount. They They took their time with it. They figured out exactly what they wanted it to be. And then they put it into action. And again... 
we'll see how it plays out. But I think it gives them another avenue to, you know, allow these guys to make money. And it also gives fans directly an opportunity to give their money to something that will go directly to helping their team in terms of talent on the field. Like when you give donations to like for your season tickets, you have to give a donation depending on where you sit. But sometimes it's up to 300 bucks a seat and you don't know where that, you don't know exactly where that donation. Not that it's going to like lacrosse or not lacrosse, but um, rowing or anything like that. But like, you don't know that it's, it's going directly to influence talent. Seat cushions. No, you have to pay extras for that as well. Red Panda at halftime. You know, the seat cushions are 50 bucks a seat too. So like it's, <laughs> wow. yes, it's insane. But either way, like you, with this, you know that this is what it's going to be used for. And I think that's probably um, going to be a benefit. I think there's a lot of people that are excited about it. And I think it's, it's going to be successful. I don't know how much it's going to help. Yeah. I think one of the things I had written down is I think it would be very ignorant of, of myself and us to say concrete, this is going to do this for the program because it's going to be something that is only seen in the results. And as we move forward, I'm sure we can look back at a time and say, Hey, you know, this being in place definitely helped them achieve X or get to this certain point. When I say the couple of months too late part, and I had said this uh, on Twitter, it's really just for one reason. And I think there might have been a change or some effect if this had been in place when Billy Shrouth and Carson Hinsman went to Notre Dame and Ohio State. There is a very real chance that it would have done nothing to help But looking back, I wonder what if this was in place? Could Wisconsin maybe have had a better shot at these guys? I think with those two, probably not. I I think that there are certainly like when that all played out, we heard what the reasons were. Like if if Marcus Freeman is still the defense coordinator and Brian Kelly's the head coach, I don't think Billy Charles is at Notre Dame. I don't think like I don't think that that would be the case. And if Notre Dame hadn't had made playoffs in the past and gotten waxed oh, in that he, he can he can say that but <laughs> i think uh, he can say that all he wants but like i think that there's a uh there was there was more to it than that and then you know with with um ohio state is ohio state it's home yeah exactly yeah. And, and it's not that like they promised him money to come there right so i, I it's difficult for me to see that having an effect on those two guys. Right. I just think overall it was something that we had talked about for a while and many when NIL was, you know, introduced last July, we were wondering where something like this was. And I just wonder what could have been different. I'm not going to come out and say that, oh, I cannot believe it came this late. I just wonder what could have been different had it come earlier. We'll never know. We we won't. Uh, the other things I, I had written down that I was thinking when this came out, I do think it helps Wisconsin's recruiting ceiling. Uh, Wisconsin's floor, as we've talked about, will pretty much always be there. They will recruit well in the state. They will put together a class that can definitely compete on the field. But in terms of ceiling, when we're talking about can they ever get back to a 2021 level? Can they ever maybe consistently finish in the top 30 or top 25? I think something like this really helps their ceiling in today's world. I had done a little research, and I was going to ask you this. Right now, in the SB Plus Top 25, there are three, only three programs that do not have a collective on the side that is helping their efforts. Do you want to venture a guess as to who they could be? Well, so you put this out there, and you told me not to look it up, right? Yes. And I didn't look it up, but I needed the Top 25 
to actually make it make some of these uh, make a decision on some of these teams. Now, uh, hmm, I will say BYU. BYU has one. Okay, as of very recently. Okay, um, Minnesota. Correct. There's one. Kind of surprised they're even in there, but that this is your ranking. So SP plus ranking. I'm just going off a top 25 that can be used at this point of the year. I mean, Texas A&M clearly doesn't have one, right? Oh, no. <laughs> can they recruit? Um, Cincinnati. Yes, there's two. That's surprising. The third one you might not get. Uh, Mississippi State is the third. I was just going to use. I was just going to say that. I'm sure. Uh, Ole Miss is way in front of them. But I say that all to say. At this point, most of the schools that are at the top of the country in uh, football entering this year, and a lot of them are names that you always see up there, most of them have something like this affiliated with their program. So when I look at the entire situation, this news, while expected, as you said, I think is positive for Wisconsin's recruiting ceiling. And if we want to go a little specifically, Wisconsin is never going to go compete really with Alabama on the recruiting trail. You almost never see an overlap like that happen. But what I do think it will help is when Wisconsin is in a battle with look at the upper Midwest powers, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. This being in place helps Wisconsin's chances. Is it going to go get them all the recruits? Absolutely not. But I think Wisconsin entering those battles without something. I don't want to say Wisconsin having it in place, but this not being in place separately. Wisconsin enters those battles. Their chances are a lot lower than, say, uh, if it wasn't there to an extent, right? Cause they already have this, these programs in place, right? The UW with open doors yeah. and being able to build your brand out of that. I think this is just another uh, in business. Like you're, you're able to work with businesses in that. There's no doubt about it. And we've, we've clearly seen guys do that with Wisconsin, but I think this just opens up a few more avenues for guys uh, to, to potentially make money and, you know, and, and charitable work that they're going to be doing for some of this stuff. Like, I think that's uh, another important aspect of it, that at least that they've been pushing out. So I uh, I don't know how big of an impact it's going to have, but it's something that is is needed, if if only to say, we have this to back you once you get here. Like, yeah. it, we, we, have, we have a motivated and uh, financially deep-pocketed alumni base that is wanting Wisconsin to be on the same level as some of these other schools, and we can be that. And, and we'll see if it, if they actually can be. I'm with you. All right, 608-321-1670 is how you chime in. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Joining us next, he is on the Dolphins, a former Wisconsin Badger. Alec Ingold has a charity softball game here in Madison in July. We're going to talk with him next about NIL, about the softball game, about the NFL, everything. That is coming up next. It is Kenny and Heilprint. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back. It's Kenny and Heilprin, 608-321-1670. Twitter at Kenny underscore Heilprin. Joining us now, he is a former Las Vegas Raider, current Miami Dolphin. He was a Wisconsin Badger fullback. He was the only fullback invited to the 2019 NFL Combine. And once in his career, he did score a 33-yard rushing touchdown to ice a game at Iowa. It is Alec Ingold. Alec, how's it going? Boys, 
that hey, that thirty three yard, I just completely forgot about that till you brought it up. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I you know, I haven't run a ball for over like three yards in the league. So um I really appreciate that. No, that's good. I remember it quite well because you waved to Iowa to tell him to go home. You waved to the crowd, go home, oh, it's I over. Was, Hey, listen, Iowa is like real hostile, right? And they're like right next to you. Yep. So we were getting chirped the whole game. And I just could not wait for that moment. It was like perfect. <laughs> Everyone was just had all this like built up energy. Everyone was about it. Everyone wanted to smoke. And we were just like, <laughs> we're going to go home with this pig and we're going to go home and celebrate. And we'll see y'all later. Awesome. I love it. So first annual battle for Wisconsin charity softball game coming up in July at Warner Park, home of the Mallards here in Madison. It is team Ingold versus team Decker with former Wisconsin football players and basketball players. Tell us more about what to expect uh, that Saturday. Yeah, this, that Saturday is going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's early in July, right after 4th of July weekend. It's going to be a, a, a fun way to kind of get alumni together, right? And just get back into the community, kind of give back. Our foundation is doing a lot of work with uh, the Madison youth, specifically with uh, the underserved community and just working with financial literacy, professional development, getting these kids' minds right um, just to be great and chase their own greatness. So we got a bunch of dudes that are about it and uh, excited to just kind of go on a neutral site, neutral field. We got dudes from every generation of, you know, Rose Bowl games and um, in the in the NFL and NFL alumni football guys. We got basketball guys. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be family friendly. And um, shoot, I'm just really excited to kind of start a little tradition, get guys around the community again and get everybody back up in Madison, just celebrating the free, the, the greatness of Madison, Wisconsin. I'm wondering how you settled on Sam Decker as your, uh, as the team captain for the basketball team, because I don't know if, did you see his first pitch at a Timber Rattlers game uh, a few years ago? <laughs> I did not see that. Okay. Is that a viral moment? I, I, was it, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't like it wasn't uh, 50 cent horrible or anything like that. It was it was it was OK. I mean, it, it was a low and left and it it bounced, uh, you know, uh, right near the catcher. You, but so I'm wondering how how you got him to come in. And it, are you kind of just stacking your side by putting him on the other team? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to I mean, it's going to be competitive, right? But uh, no, the dude is like a northeast Wisconsin legend. Uh, obviously, he did. He, he kind of walked the walk and talked the talk his whole career, and it's a guy I definitely look up to, and he's a huge baseball fan, right? Like, you, you see him tweeting about the Brewers all the time. He's in the Wisconsin sports scene big time. He's a huge role model for a lot of kids growing up in Wisconsin, giving them a, a, a hope and a dream to be a pro basketball player, to bring a team to the Final Four. Like, he's done it, man. So, like, it was a no-brainer for me. It's a guy I look up to. He's great in the community. does a whole lot with his basketball camps and everything like that. So, uh, I just thought it was a good op for football and basketball to get together. I mean, he really, you know, put his stamp and his fingerprints all over the state uh, when he went through. So you mentioned the Brewers. Do you think at this point him watching the Brewers every night might actually hurt, you know, his team's chances of winning that game? Wow. I never <laughs> thought of that. You put it that way. I think that you just spin zoned that like big time. No, I think that's a great, great advantage for us. You know, all sense of, uh, you know, it, I mean, obviously the Brewers are struggling right now, so we'll just get in his head, give him some high stuff, give him some low stuff. We'll we'll see how it goes. Love it. All right, I I want to get to uh, your thoughts on where college football is right now because you obviously I played it years ago, but before this crazy landscape that we're in right now, and now you're kind of seeing it all play out in a similar-ish position to all of us as someone who is not you know directly playing the sport. I. What do you think of where the state of college football is with NIL and the portal 
And what do you think this all means for Wisconsin and how the program is run and its success? Yeah, I think, you know, college football right now is just on the brink of a lot of change, right? It's obviously it's different than the one that we grew up watching. Um, but I think it's exciting and, and it's something that's going to bring a new wrinkle into all of the college football landscape. And it's not going to be as crazy forever, right? Like things are going to settle down. Uh, but when you talk NIL, when you talk about guys really being uh, one-year free agents every single year, um, that's something that's exciting for me as a fan of Wisconsin, as alumni, as a proud Badger, right? Like, if you buy into the the foundation of what the guys built at Wisconsin, if you buy into um, really everything you're about, like as a recruit going through that whole process, developing, doing things the right way, uh, smart, tough, and dependable, I think you, you kind of get all those cliches and you bring it to life and you see guys like JT and TJ Watt, like being players of the year. Like, I mean, I don't know what more you'd want. And to see a community like Madison embrace the change that's going to happen in college football, man, just rally around these guys, support them. You know, it, it'll be fun to see these guys' personalities come out in these NIL deals and in marketing. And I, I just really hope the community embraces these guys. And, um, you know, it comes a part of, you know, as, everything that's positive that could possibly be uh, from this change in the landscape. I really hope that that's what Madison does. They just started up this uh, varsity collective and they, they've talked about how they have, uh, you know, a number of alumni included. Did you have any role in that whatsoever? I did not. No, I'm interested to hear what it's about. What are we, what are we talking about? So it's, it's, it's the varsity collective and it's uh, like a third party thing. And they're the uh, Brooks Bollinger's involved in it. Ted Kellner's involved in it. like a whole bunch of people. And it's, it's kind of like what we've seen in college football. It's all these schools putting together money for kids. Once they get to the school that you can provide NIL, NIL opportunity. So no, I'm not, I, I'm not telling you you have to be, I'm just, I was just wondering if, if you were, uh, but my, my bigger question is if you were still in school, what company is, is Alec Ingold looking at to get some NIL opportunities from? Ooh, what company? I mean, I'm going straight to the shoes, man. Okay. If I could get, like, I'm a big sneakerhead guy, so if we could get, like, StockX or, like, you know, um, anything where I can get those releases, like the hot drops, yep. that's what I'd be on. Anything that I could do there. Maybe some food. I don't know. Jordan's Big Ten Pub. Big time <laughs> right. fan of that place. So, uh, yeah, it would be fun, man. Love it. I, I want to get to uh, the off season from back when you were in school. So obviously you have the spring period, then you have some time off before you go in uh, to the summer, the training camp, and then uh, you go into the season. Was there a moment during those off season periods where certain guys, when they were going to go break out, when they were going to reach that next step where everyone else on the team knew like, Oh, th- that guy is going to, you know, become the guy, if you will. I, are there certain times in the off season where that happened or is it different for everyone in every position? Uh, no, those, those moments definitely happen. And it's, it's definitely a culmination of like, you see the dude work out every single day and it's kind of building up to a, a critical point and it might be a workout. It might be a max out. It might be a testing day. Or it could just be like a random drill and the dude just crushes it. And you can kind of see that confidence. Once you, once you have a guy who hits confidence with, you know, just the ability to be, you know, one of our coaches always talked about being self-confident enough to be self-critical. And you just kind of like you embody all of that and you're just falling out. Like that happens at any time in the year. That can happen week five. That can happen the last game of the season. That can happen in OTAs or spring ball, whatever it is. So, um, those moments have happened and it's so cool to watch. And then it's cool to kind of have those moments uh, yourself too. 
can you remember anybody off uh, the top of your head that 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 happened for you at Wisconsin during during your time? I mean, obviously, what JT did in fall camp of 2017 is is kind of legend with with him going off against the number one defense in that Friday night scrimmage. But is there anyone else that like comes off the top of your head that stood, uh, that did that for you? Yeah, I think um, Chris Orr had a pick. I remember very vividly our freshman year and he closed out camp. Like it was a team period and he's up with the ones because of injury. And he had a pick to end the camp and everyone went just nuts. Right. Remember and that. it's like, Oh, Oh wow. Like this dude's for real. And then just to be able to like stack the next practice, like it, it's cool to do it once. But when you do it twice or three times and you start stacking those things, that's where it kind of gets like, okay, guys respect it. Guys expect it now. That's your new standard. And, uh, you know, watching those moments is, man, it's, it's the beautiful part about team sports. Do you ever wonder what happens if, if you don't move over to offense? Because, I mean, you were, you, were, you were at linebacker that camp, weren't you? For sure. Yeah, I, ask my, my, I ask myself that all the time, and it's like, all right, we had, what, T.J. Edwards, Jack Stitchy, <laughs> Chris Orr, Vince Beagle, Joe Schobert, T.J. Watt, uh, Ryan Connolly. <laughs> so I was like, yes. man, I it, like I don't know where I'd find myself in all that. So um, very thankful I'm I'm playing fullback, and very thankful Coach Chris uh, had that vision for me. <laughs> uh, so in terms of Graham Mertz and the team this year, one I guess from afar, what have you seen from him, and do you think this could be the year that that big jump is taken? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's pure speculation, just as a fan, and I text him here and there, and. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big supporter of his. And um, for a quarterback, I think, you know, just personally speaking, I don't know if those moments really happen as a quarterback. I think that's, that's the culmination of a whole lot, right? That's transitioning the, the practice field or, or like the film room to a practice field to a game rep. And, and then you have those games. But um, for Graham, I think it, it's going to be exciting to watch that, that transition, that confidence, that two years of film now of meaningful film that he can break down and watch and grow from for a whole off season, hopefully a normal non COVID off season, knock on wood uh, is good for everyone's development. But yeah, this dude can, uh, can do that transition. He, he's got the personality. He's got the talent. He's got the work ethic. It's like, it, it's, it's going to be exciting to see a, a full off season, you know, put everything together type of year for him. Uh, I wanted to ask you now that you are in Miami, what has it been like getting in there and now playing with Michael Dieter and Andrew Van Ginkle, guys who you were with at Wisconsin? It's awesome. We're about to go to dinner right now, man. It's uh, <laughs> Those guys really took me under their wing. Um, whenever you join a new uh, locker room like that, it's, it's very intimidating. You, you build this identity and this persona and this expectation over at the Raiders. Like, uh, and then to have guys that are just there that you know, that you can play golf with and go to dinner with and just uh, live life with in that transition to kind of ease everything out. Uh, that's um, that's really really big time. So those guys have been amazing for me. How is the rehab gone? Are you uh, where are you at in that process? And uh, you hoping to be ready for the season, or is it going to be something where maybe it's a little bit further into the year? No, I'll be I'll be ready for the season. I've, I've been running uh, routes on air a few times now, and just getting back to football specific movements. That whole progression has started up for me. So um, it, it's fun to be back. Like the the nitty gritty tough stuff is, is kind of through, right? Like we're, we're getting back to football. We're getting back to drills. We're getting back to tape. So um, it, it's going to be exciting. It's an exciting time for my rehab for sure to kind of unhitch the wagon, so to speak. All right. Battle for Wisconsin. It is Saturday, July 9th at Warner park here in Madison. 
benefiting the Ingold Family Foundation. It is Team Ingold versus Team Decker. More info, you can find it at battle for the number 4 wisconsin.com. I was going to ask Alec who your early pick for game MVP is. Uh, but I guess I, I kind of want to get the pot stirred a little bit and, and get some interest going. <laughs> Who do you think is uh, going to struggle the most when you guys take the field? Wow. Who's <laughs> going to struggle the most? I mean, let's see. I'm going, I'm going out to dinner with Ginks right now pretty soon, so I can't be saying him on the radio. <laughs> um, but, like, but, like, if I could pick somebody that I wasn't going to dinner with, maybe it might be him. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. The coolest part is, like, I really hope someone strikes out. Like, yeah. that would be hilarious. We're, we're going slow pitch softball. And, and then I say that, and I, I hope I don't miss. Right. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be a tough look. Awesome. Alec, really appreciate the time. Look forward. I'll find my way down there uh, in Let's July go. on Saturday. Look forward to the event happening. Appreciate it, guys. Bring the family. Let's have a good time. Love it. All right, there he is, Alec Ingold. Again, battle number four, Wisconsin.com. For more information, it is July 9th down at the Madison Mallard Stadium here, uh, obviously in Madison. Got some names already. Ron Dane's going to be there. Uh, Brady Ewing, obviously got to have another fullback there. Er, uh, Alex Erickson's going to be there. David Gilreath, as he mentioned, Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, Jordan Taylor, obviously, from from the basketball team, and, and Sam Decker leading things there as well. Jordan Davis going to be out there. So a lot of, lot of names, and there's going to be even more, I'm sure, as uh, we get closer to the date. Still about a month, uh, exactly a month away from uh, yeah. from that taking place. I do want to say slow-pitch softball is a lot harder than it looks. That is coming from somebody For sure. who has had a really significant injury suffered while playing the said sport. So, first of all, I hope everyone stays healthy during this game, but it is going to be a lot of fun. Again, battle4wisconsin.com for more information, how to get tickets, everything you need to know about the event. We're going to step away, 608-321-1670. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back, more on the NIL Collective, more on that conversation with Alec Ingold. It is Kenny and Heilprint. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, we're back. It is Kenny and Heilprin, 608 321 1670. Twitter, Kenny underscore Heilprin. If you ever want something heard or talked about on the show, there is always a podcast available after the show concludes. You can leave a five star review there with your question in the description. So semi-breaking news that is not a shock at all. C.J. Carr, five-star quarterback, 2024, just committed to Notre Dame. He had Wisconsin as a finalist, uh, but he just announced he was committing to the Fighting Irish. Not really a surprise at all. It wasn't a guy that seemed like Wisconsin had any chance at, aside from the fact that he was a finalist. He did visit, I believe. I'm not completely sure. Okay. But all of the talk as of late was Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. And they, I mean, Marcus Freeman doing a good job. I, one could say they just got their next Jack Cohn. <laughs> one could say that, except I think this kid has, I'll say this right now. Careful. I'll put this on my, I'll put this on record right now. I'm writing it down. Mr. Carr has a chance to get drafted more so than Jack Cohn. That, that was an unnecessary compliment to give uh, CJ Carr, but it is what it is. So, I wanted to talk more about what this collective that we spent the first segment talking about 
uh, could do for Wisconsin recruiting. And by the way, awesome stuff from Alec Ingold. If you missed part of the interview, it will all be up in a podcast again after the show concludes. So, Zach, I was I was thinking about, you know, I I'd mentioned the ceiling of Wisconsin recruiting, but when we're talking about on the field stuff, and this is a big takeaway I had, this is not a glass shattering take by any means, but trying to think about what the collective can do, what, how it can translate to the field. We've talked a lot this off season. And since this show began about why we're confident and, and you who had been at the practices and seen it, why this defense could just be back to another great dominant defense, despite all of the pieces it lost. And one of the reasons for that in my eyes is you look across the recruiting profile in the years that are now going to be prominent starters and, and guys that could step in and find a role. They were guys that were higher recruited. They were higher stars. They were more highly touted than some of the guys in the past. And not to say guys in the past haven't gone on and emerged and become great players, but when you elevate your recruiting profile, naturally when you go into a year and across the outside linebacker room, it's all four stars. You're going to have a lot more talent and a lot more production from that room. So when I think about this collective and what it can do, my hope is somehow it helps Wisconsin rise back up, say, I don't know, 30th annually, because right now I think they are 43 in the nation in the class of where they were 41, 2022. Uh, I think they're around that range for 2023. Rise up n- near 30 because still get to the level of recruit and level of talent to then uh, out recruit Minnesota, out recruit Iowa, which they've done for the most part, but have have a certain level of talent already on the field because that will inherently give you better shots at getting over the hump, winning Big Ten titles. And you think the collective is going to help with this? Undoubtedly. Okay. I think the success – look, the success in the outside linebacker room, recruiting-wise, has everything to do with what they've done in the NFL. It has very little – in my opinion, very little to do with anything else. It's T.J. Watt. It's Vince Beagle, it's Joe Schobert, it's the guys that Alec Ingold ran off the list of. It's, it's, they've had a ton of success in the NFL. I'll say T.J. Watt probably more than anybody. I mean, Nick Herbig flat out said, uh, it's the reason why he wanted to come to Wisconsin. That, that, I still think, has as big of an impact as anything is the success in the NFL. Now, these other opportunities that they're going to be given once they get here, um, that's completely added on to it. And it, it gives them another thing to throw at, at guys. Again, you're not... They're not recruiting like this, though. They're not going to, like, they'll know it's there, but I don't, shouldn't say this for sure, but right now, it's not a part of the pitch. I've talked with Evan Flo, I've talked with John McNamara. They both say it's not necessarily right now a part of the pitch. I mean, now, do you does think, that, does that change? Do you think that could be because it's brand new? But, like, well, NIL is not new. Right. Well, we the, also did talk o- to Open Doors and, like, you, the UW, like, none of that, like, all that has been here for a year now. Like that's not new. Okay, I, it surprised me that they, that's that's not part of the conversation. And again, that's that is secondhand information um, of guys that follow it much closer than I do. But if it's not, I feel like it's you're missing out on something if it's not part of the package. Well, we did talk to Coach Guard, and I mean, undoubtedly, the approach to recruiting is most likely different than those at the top of recruiting in respective sports, football, basketball. But I, I agree, if it's not part of the pitch, or at least just noting that this is there, it doesn't have to be this detailed thing, but uh, saying or giving specific examples of previous years and guys that were in the program and had success with these ventures, uh, that 
being part of the pitch feels necessary. Because I mentioned the top 25. They are I, a lot of the schools up there are in a similar situation. And Wisconsin will not enter recruiting battles with close to all of them. But the ones it will, they are all positioned pretty well. Yes. No, they are. Again, it, it, I'd be shocked if it's not a part of the presentation. If it isn't now, it certainly will be. Like, it has to be. Uh, it's, it has to be the case for every school. Now, that doesn't necessarily feel Wisconsin. But I think it, it, it kind of is Wisconsin, the idea that you can sell yourself once you get here. And there's things in place for you to be able to sell yourself, which... Uh, is what a lot of these guys want the opportunity to do. Now, there's other kids that want that money before they even show up, and I don't think Wisconsin is going to be in that. More often than not, it's not going to be in that type of race. I agree with that. I guess the thing I would say, and not as a knock, just generally, those also are often guys Wisconsin isn't in the conversation for anyway. But. Quarterbacks. If you, I mean, no, I mean, if if you could be a really not great school in terms of your your football team or your football team hasn't been as good as Wisconsin has. Yet, if you're willing to throw big sums of money at these kids, it could turn around quite quickly. I mean, right. uh, we're seeing that in basketball with Miami with the way that they have attacked the transfer portal. Like, you are not necessarily the greatest school in terms of what you've been able to do on the court. Now, Miami's had some success, but like, they haven't been more successful in Wisconsin. No. Certainly in football either. But their ability to pony up and start throwing money at these guys changes things. The same way at USC. The the opportunities that are available in Los Angeles a little bit different than what's available in Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess the optimistic way I look at that is in football at least and separating basketball because it's different. But in football, a lot of that blind throwing of money I really feel like is – partially limited to the sec and the culture down there and luckily wisconsin is not in as i said consistent recruiting battles with those guys like if if they were a school that relied upon like they've gotten a lot of recruits from florida recently but they're if they relied on a certain state that was more southern and then this all happens and then the other southern states go take it over then i'd be more concerned but they're not it's really the northern powers but right ohio state probably does but then i look back in the past and, I mean, Wisconsin is always at a disadvantage to Ohio State because of who they are. So, I don't know. It's interesting. But the, uh, the, the balance, or I should say the separation grows a little bit, though, doesn't it? Even it does. With this, with this added on. But I think there are some non-Blue Blood schools that have a ton of money. In, in Nebraska. Money that haven't anything. And yeah. yet they have the ability to, to raise some money because uh, of their fan bases have a chance. Tennessee's another one. Hasn't, yeah. been, hasn't been very good. But there's passionate guys. There's there's passionate people there. They're in play. I think Wisconsin has a ton, a ton of passionate people that are involved in this varsity collective thing. And I think it's going to be very successful. Whether it translates to better talent, I don't know yet. But I think there's going to be a lot of money involved with this thing. And, and there's, there's certainly people that are um, excited about it and anxious to see where, where it plays out. Because, again, Wisconsin's alumni base is huge yeah huge and a lot of them a lot of them have a ton of money i was going to say this earlier it, they feel like kind of a sleeping giant if you will there's, given there's a lot of money there how, how widespread it is and obviously the love for and the passion for the teams so uh that's all going to be interesting and time will only tell the results of what the collective can do and how wisconsin does on the recruiting trail speaking of what time will have to tell us 
and what we can't, I don't think, can flat out say today, but Wisconsin made or is reportedly making a hire at inside linebackers coach. We had spoken a couple weeks ago about Bill Sheridan and his resigning and a situation that just, I, when you look at it, it, it's not good for either side, especially for Wisconsin, having to go find a new coach. Mark D'Onofrio, he was the defensive coordinator inside linebackers coach at Houston 2017 to 2018. Before that, the defensive coordinator at Miami 2011 to 15. A lot of experience around the college ranks has not coached since he was let go at Houston a couple years ago. What was your first thought when you saw this report? That's the former Green Bay Packers linebacker. And I guess Green Bay Packer for, what, two days? <laughs> he was there for a couple of years. Uh, had a horrible injury his rookie year that uh, kind of doused it. There was some talent there. There was some talent there. Uh, out of Penn State, second-round pick. He was actually, uh, no one cares about this. Just my, this is just my brain going. But Ron Wolf's second pick, Ron Wolf's first pick was Terrell Buckley. His second pick was Mark D'Onofrio. Mark D'Onofrio also, this is how my brain works, former linebackers coach at Temple. It's finally good to have another Philly guy in Madison. So he came up with Al Golden, right, and went to went to Miami with Al Golden. I The, the connection, my, my first thought is, what's his connection to Wisconsin? Right. And I couldn't come up with him other than Al Golden, who was offered the Wisconsin job in 2013 before Gary Anderson took it. And uh, so maybe there's some Barry Alvarez, Al Golden connection that, that made that happen. We'll find out. My bigger, my biggest question, what's he been doing the last three years? And, uh, you know, I think that is still a question that I have. <laughs> the last time he was out of coaching between his stops at Miami and Houston, he was coaching at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, so that could have some talent there. <laughs> that's Down in Miami, for sure. You don't know what they were working. Like, he might have been workshopping, you know, his new ways to. Yeah. So. It's another veteran coach. It's, I mean, it's it's not a Bill Sheridan hire, but it kind of feels like an, another one where you have a veteran guy that has a lot of experience, and I think that kind of stands out. The guy that's you're probably not going to have to worry about um, and, and keep an eye on in terms of like if you are hiring a first time guy. Like there were some rumors out there that Mike Caputo was going to be the guy. Like that's somebody that had never you know he had coached a position at Utah State, but had never been an inside linebackers coach. And it was, maybe it was going to be just a little bit much. I think this, you know, kind of smooths it, all, uh, smooths it out a little bit. And it's somebody that you don't really have to worry about, someone that you're confident can get the job done. And again, as everyone has pointed out time and time again, Bob Bostad had never coached the position before. And then he goes and coaches for five years, and they were really, really good. And if you want to go further with a theoretical comp, Bobby April, when he was hired, had not coached for a couple of years. He was let go in what uh, in Buffalo in 20, I don't know the exact year, but there there was a couple years in between him being let go there or finishing there and him being hired uh, at Wisconsin. So, I mean, you could go that way with the comp. The The first thing I thought of when I when I looked at it, looked at his coaching record and where he's been, this is a complete to me, a complete product of the Bill Sheridan situation. They were not going to have a lot of success, I think, finding a guy that had a job at another school at this point in the offseason. So we'll see how it works out, but it makes sense that this could have been one of the best options out there given the timeline of when they had to make a hire. Yeah, no, we talked about this. Is there a great time? (laughs) It's not a great time to probably go and try and find a guy that's employed. And, And Paul Chris, does he want to take somebody from another school at this point of the year? I he probably would if somebody um, 
you know, came to him. But it's it's not a great time to go out and hire. But they found a guy that has experience, and and I think that's probably what more so than anything he was looking for. My other thought here, Zach, is that uh, yes, it is a position replacing two starters, and it is one of the questions of the defense what it looks like. You know, week one at there with talent, production, all that stuff. It is still though a Jim Leonard defense. Like I, I don't really look at this as a make or break hire for Wisconsin success. If this was something that happened, say offensive line, right? They had to let a guy go hire another at this point in the off season. I think I would be a lot more concerned or uh, I would have bigger pause than I do now. Oh, we, Bob, Bo, I hate to go back to Bob Bostad with this, but he talked about it in the spring. He is involved in game planning now. Like he uh, has like a huge role on offense in what he's doing. That wasn't the case at inside linebackers. And that's not to say Jim Leonard doesn't, you know, take advice or doesn't work with his coaches. It's just a little bit different. Like there's just so much more involved in it. And it's not that way on defense. So um, you could tell how excited Bob Bostad was to be back in a spot where he was going to have a voice, a bigger voice on what was happening on a regular basis. And uh, again, inside linebackers coach, important position. It, you're right. Not an offensive line coach. Not a not a wide receivers coach. Not a you know, um, cornerbacks guy or a safeties guy or a guy who's going to be calling plays. Like that's just he's coach the position. Special teams coach. If they still exist in the world. Well, they don't exist at Wisconsin. Definitely not. All right. Not hate, don't hate that. Not really. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. So I get a hold of the program. There is a Wisconsin semi related slash not affiliated but it will help Wisconsin Athletes Collective that has been established. Wisconsin has a new reportedly inside linebackers coach. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Final segment of the show. We could fit a call in. That's coming up next. It is Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back, Kenny and Heilprin. Final segment, couple minutes before we get out of here. 608-321-1670. We are on Twitter. Again, at Kenny underscore Heilprin. I am at Benzie Kenny. He is Zach underscore Heilprin. There's a podcast. If you missed any of Alec Ingold's interview today, there was also the last couple weeks with the Brewers playing at this time. We had done podcast-only episodes, so those are up on the podcast page. That'll all be posted on Twitter when it goes up. Zach, uh, finishing on, I mean, as I said at the start of the show, I, I've been in a great mood. I, I think there's been a lot of good news to come out of uh, various areas in the last week. Uh, but starting on a, ending on a maybe more lighthearted note, there's been some NIL developments across the country, and I wanted to get your thoughts. So Bijan Robinson, great Texas running back, has gotten a Lamborghini from some sort of NIL venture. CJ Stroud, stud quarterback at Ohio State, is now driving a Bentley. And Quinn Ewers, the man who went to Ohio State for the bag and now went to Texas, is driving around in Aston Martin. All wildly expensive and insane cars. Would you have a preference if your name was Quinn Ewers and you just got to Texas and they say, okay, one car, name it. Is there one you would take in an in a NIL deal? Uh, yes, it would be a, and I just looked this up. 
I looked up the, the most expensive car in the world. Let me guess, because, so, I mean, this is a crazy rabbit hole, but uh, there's $142 million. Whoa. What is it? It's a 1955 Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Uhlenhaut Coupe. Ooh. Gullwing doors. Oh, I don't like those. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's uh, it's impressive. So it's James Bondy, if you will. It, it looks like it, yes. There's, um, there's some, I, I think it's Aston Martin is the brand of car that, like, you need to have specifically shipped that getting one here in America is so impossible unlike the other ones uh there is a relative of mine who happens to uh live let's say one of those lifestyles and and drives them and i've heard about a conversation my dad had with a with a dealer at this relative's wedding uh, the aston martin dealer came up to my dad he said hey i want to talk to you about this car you ordered my dad's like what the hell like i i drive a volvo <laughs> come on uh, but along those lines, my, my answer was a, a Volvo S60. Keep it simple. It's a nice car. For sure. Um, another note, Wisconsin, actually, I, I saw this today. I was tagged in it. Wisconsin is partnering with Tops and Fanatics to create trading cards, a new college-wide venture. My first thought was, I hope we get trading cards because NFTs are unbelievably complicated and stupid. So if if I because I'm fine if they exist, but if they have to start coming into my world, I don't want to learn about NFTs. So they started doing trading cards a few years ago. Actually, at was not a few years ago. Uh, they were giving out like a season tickets. Like you would show up and you, it was part of it. Like the Wisconsin was giving them out. Not tops, obviously, or fanatics or anything like that. But yeah, players cards, player uh, uh, cards. Do you have were you a card collector? I was a huge, huge baseball card guy. I did a little Pokemon. I didn't really play. I just collected. But I, I still have massive binders of baseball cards. That's like, I, I loved reading them. I, that was my studying. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Nice. So it's kind of, of my thing. I, I think it'd be cool. I just hope to, to the people at Tops, to the people at Fanatics, I know you listen to the show. Don't make this all digital. Don't make it NFTs. Sell packs of cards. Get the people involved. Put all some, right. Put some bubble gum in there. Yeah. Quench gum. That'll do it. All right, that's going to do it for us. We are back next Thursday, not next Thursday, podcast special. Next Thursday, podcast of this show, up in about 15 minutes. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin, Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.